Well, what an appropriate song. This That song this week has probably never been more appropriate, Carlos, than, um, than it is this week, I reckon. Good to see you down here. Thanks for coming along again. A little less conversation, a little more action. Yeah. It's probably come to that stage, hasn't it? Yeah, we've, uh, I think it's pretty clear that everyone's had enough. You know, the, the last straw uh, on the weekend uh, with that outrageous behaviour by the West Sydney Wanderers, that, that, that click of, it's not the whole lot of them, but no, it's of just the click of it. Yep. Um, there's a real resolve now. Uh, look, I've heard Simon Hill come out very passionately over the last couple of days. He's been fantastic. Uh, Francis Leach himself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all, everyone's coming out condemning what happened. Uh, what I'm liking right now, because I've been through all this with the old NSL, yeah, I've been through all this. Yep. So uh, this conversation comes up in different forms and in different contexts all the time. Uh, but what I'm loving right now is there's absolute resolve, absolute conviction that this is going to be stamped out. And uh, I can really sense it. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I think in the past, uh, FFA have been probably criticised uh, with the heavy-handedness of what they've done. Probably not implementing the, the multifaceted approach of how to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're learning, as they did in England, uh, with all the crowd trouble they had in the 60s and 70s, and, and they started, you know, in the 80s, they started getting it right in the 90s, is that, you know, clubs are going to look at themselves. Uh, the uh, the federation's got to look at themselves. The security aspects got to look at themselves, mm. and above all, the fans themselves. Now, Gazy touched on this. The self policing point of view for mm. me is the biggest thing. I've seen it in England. I've seen it in other parts of the world, and it works. Self policing is a big thing where the peers uh, basically set the scene and set the culture of how. Uh, how appropriate behaviour is in those circumstances. So, so how has it come about? How is it we have this young league where we should have been, right from the word go, we should have known what was bad behaviour from observational, from, from domestic stuff, obviously, yep. in the NSL, but from internationally. We should have known what was acceptable and what was not. And yet here's this group within a fantastic sport. I've never been to a game yep. at the Wanderers' home, but people you yep. know that I rate and know very, very well reckon it is one of the great experiences in Australian sport. Forget about Australian soccer. You go to a home game at West Sydney yep. on the right day, right night, and it is an experience you'll never forget. So how is it that this little group within that fan base, yep. particularly when they travel, seem to get this anger about them that... Yep manifests like it did on the weekend. What we've got to get clear is that this group that you're talking about aren't great citizens outside the stadium. No. And suddenly they come into the stadium and become bad citizens. Mm. This is, these are just hoons. Yeah. You know, hoons. 24-7. Yeah, these yeah. are vandals. Mm. These, are, these are thugs. Uh, and the way they uh, manifest this behaviour mm. is through the football stage. Uh there's hoons and thugs and vandals in AFL, but they present in a different way. They might punch a woman. They might, you know, whatever. Of course. No, no sports impervious. Absolutely. No, so no, no. what we're talking about is social undesirables. Uh, people that, you know, you wouldn't... You know, people. What I found really funny on the weekend was people are arguing for, you know, we can... Set, uh, set a scene at games where we can actually uh, have fans light or ignite flares in a responsible way. <laughs> and I said, well, it's like you haven't seen the guys who are lighting these flares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, th- yeah. These guys aren't the sort of blokes who are good citizens. Yeah. So They're not doing it to, to, no. to create an atmosphere. Absolutely. That's not what they're doing it's it for. It's anti-social, yep. anti-authority. We heard it all before. Yep. Uh, but what we're recognising now is the fact that it is, I hope, 
to the people outside the game, they're starting to understand that it actually is not the game. People, like I said, people don't walk into a football stadium yeah, being good yep, people and yep. suddenly becoming bad people. Yep, yep. Uh, these are bad people. Mm. So, uh, and, and, there's a, and I'm really sensing that real resolve, which I'm, it's part of the evolution. You, you, were, you were talking about why haven't we picked this up? It's part of the evolution of what we're learning ourselves, what football is in this country. But it's borrowed behaviour. It's yeah. not real. It doesn't belong here. It's not us. It's not of us. It's, but, but it's... these guys, Andy, would be presenting this in a different way if it wasn't a football for them to do it. So it's not like these guys wait for a football game and suddenly present that uh, way. They'll yeah, be no, doing it in a different yep, way. Yep. Uh, because, like I said, they're, they're not good citizens in the first place. And they're, and they're looking for ways to notoriety, notoriety yeah, or in some yeah, way or, yeah. or whatever it is. It's, a, uh, it, it's complex, but it's simple at the same time. But I believe now uh, everyone, everyone is now, you know, is absolutely committed to trying to stamp this out as quickly as possible. And there always comes a tipping point. There's always yeah. a moment in this stuff where it's been going on, whatever it might be, there's always a tipping point that changes, sees, you know, the acceptability of these these behaviours change. Has the game done enough? We heard the Wanderers GM on with Frank and Ox this morning, and there was a resolution in his language, but it's not unheard of. Mm. We've heard that sort of language before about, you know, sort of misdemeanours and crowd behaviour. Has the game and of the clubs done enough? No. We haven't done enough, mm. uh, but not because they haven't wanted to do enough. I don't think they've worked it out yet. Uh, I still can't understand if, with the tight security at mm. any event in the world these days, that people can still bring in 19 uh, flares uh, and detonators, railway detonators. I don't know how big these railway detonators they are. They made a hell of a noise. Absolutely. And I was actually in the stadium in Japan, watching the Socceroos versus Japan, and they were the most, most uh, lovely crowd in the world yeah. but one of those detonators went off in the stand i thought it was a terrorist act yeah of course I mean, you and, and yeah. all, all through social media uh on this on the saturday night there were mothers getting on there saying my my kids were distraught once they heard that they were actually frantic so in this climate in this day and age how can people bring in 19 flares at least 19 there might have been more do you than know that. the answer to this question no, i don't know because i have not seen we sort of you know, we have media passes. We walk in a different way. Yep, yep. But I, I, I will now walk in the normal way and see what they do to, to make sure that I'm not carrying something in. I was speaking to an AFL, um, a guy who works in an AFL club this morning about this, and he was saying, okay, with security getting into the ground, and maybe that'll be reviewed, whatever. But in these fan zones, these these mm. active areas, as they enter that area, why aren't there? Body, why are they frisked? Yeah, like absolutely. four body frisks. There's only going to be two or three hundred people in there. It's not asking, not everybody who walks into a venue, an AFL venue, or an A League venue, or a cricket deserves to be yep. body searched. But if you're going to walk into one of those areas, you are accepting the fact that the there's an onus of responsibility on your behaviour, and you should submit to a body search. Now, if these people are sticking flares down their strides, well, the security and police have got every right to rub you down or frisk you, whatever you call it, to find out whether or not you're hiding something in places that most of us would never have accessed by security staff at sporting venues. I'm a West Ham fan. Whenever I go to England, I've been, you know, to the UK from the 80s and watched my fa- my, my beloved West Ham mm, at mm. the Boland Ground mm. at Upton Park. People might know it as that. Uh, from the 80s to more recently, the last 12 months where we've been, uh, the, the the protocols from the time you leave the, the tube station, get off the tube station to walk up the ground, because they, they close off all the streets. The cars can't get anywhere near yeah, it. Right, yep. they close, so people are walking from tubes from houses and stuff like that. Mm. The protocols from the 80s to now have improved out of sight. You don't get a problem in English football 
in stadiums now. And that was probably the worst in the world in, in the 80s and the 70s. So, uh, we, and the, what happens these days too, what I've really noticed is people accept that there's, there's blokes who probably were hooligans in, the, in yeah, their yeah, former yeah. years, but now they're walking to the games with their with their sons. Yeah. And they accept that there's going to be police horses all around them. They're going to be guided in, especially in with the away games. They might be searched in some way. They're all accepting it because they know what the history was and they know that they want to feel safe going to these games. Yeah, and, uh, and, and it's on them. Yeah, absolutely. It's on them. I mean, the... the because you say it's not the game, and it's not the game, but it is people who yeah. are representing the game in the hands of the wrong people. You get some willing media organisations who want to say, here it goes again. Soccer in Australia, this is what it is. And but you for, know also, Andy, yeah. that a few years ago, didn't, weren't we getting some crowd issues at the tennis? Oh, no, well, we, we, yeah, we were. That's oh, what I'm saying. So you're using you're it at 100% a stage, right. They're using it at a stage yeah. over yeah. in... Um, Wow, one of the European countries, I think it might be in Greece, they actually take flares into basketball stages. They do. They do. Gazi's talking about this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's a stage that they're using. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, some might gravitate towards tennis. Some might gravitate towards football. Mm-hmm. Some might gravitate towards basketball. It's a stage. Mm. So... But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the game our, you know, ourselves, everyone involved in the game, doesn't take responsibility. No, everyone fair, needs to take responsibility. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. And this is a great thing about a radio station like SEM when there's a, you know when there's a, an issue like this that is affecting games that we all love, and oh, not everyone, but most of us love and are interested in. Then you get the opportunity to have a chat about it, and um, we've been inviting people to do that, you know, since the weekend, and people still want to have a chat about it at 28 past two. Justin's in Wandon, and he's one of those. You're talking to Carlos Alberto Diego, Justin. Carlos and Andy, how are you? Good mate. Good mate. Before the break, unfortunately, you said a very silly thing, Andy Mark. Go on. Um, talking about regulating the selling of flares. Well, the 300,000 legally licensed boat owners in the state. Don't want to have to have their safety devices that they need legally to have in their boats regulated. Who's going to pay for that? If you're going to set up a database system, who's going to, are they going to put my boat license up because of a bunch of flogs at a game of football? Well, I'm not sure I said anything about that, Joe. Well, we, we did have a caller uh, in the previous hour who mentioned something about that. And unfortunately for you, Justin, and people who buy flares for exactly the right reasons, unfortunately, flares are finding them themselves into the hands of people for the wrong reason so if when you buy a flare for your boat if it means that you know the serial number on that flare you have a you know a boat owner's license or whatever it might be that gets registered you swipe it and people know you bought six flares and here are their registration numbers well unfortunately providing it's not costing you any more money justin if there's an administrative extra attached to it then um, unfortunately, that's because flares are finding their way into the wrong hands of the wrong people. Is that would that be too onerous for you to deal with? I've got no problem with it. The problem actually is, is flares have a shelf life of one or two years. Hmm. They've got to use by date. If your flares are out of date, you're breaking the law in if you're boating with an out of date. Well, I've got three old sets of flares sitting at home. Um, then they go out of date, and you go and buy new ones. Um, yeah, you'll that's see, part yeah. of the problem. People are probably getting their hands on old, not necessarily new ones. But old ones. Um, yeah. Well, well, the the registration at point of purchase would still apply, I think. So, I guess it's up to boat owners, and I'm sure you're all really responsible to, you know, discharge those flares uh, when they're out of their use by date, the best way possible. And I think what we're having now is this discussion about, you know, the core of it. 
the core of it is they're bringing flares into a game. How are they doing it? Yeah. yeah it, 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 I mean, that doesn't need to happen necessarily, but if what it is, they've got to explore every aspect I of think it. so too. This is what they do. It's not one thing that will solve this problem. No. It's multifaceted, mm. and we look at every aspect. That might not work, uh, Justin, but something else might. John's in Taylor's Lakes at half past two. Hi, mate. Hi, guys. How are you going? Good, mate. Um, I don't know. I, I just think maybe we need to raise the standards that's required to be a spectator at sporting events. In regards to soccer or football, what I mean, police get trained to identify uh, hooligans, hoods, uh, scum. As soon as someone takes their shirt off, in the stadium, they should be kicked out because they're usually the ones that are creating the problem. I'm saying all of them, but I'm saying things like that. We should have some standards, some dress codes, and uh, just make it hard for those people to... They won't want to go uh, to a game because they know what the standards are and they won't live up to it. I mean, that's that's really... I mean, that's taking it to a... a bit, you know, right in this environment right now, I think people are saying, why not? Yeah, I you mean, know? it's like one of those one of those many things that can be done. Yeah, and uh, it, it, I, I think everything, like I said, everything should be discussed. Um, and like you said, if you make it uncomfortable for this handful of people mm, mm. or this group, I don't know how big they are. I mean, but certainly if you had 25,000 people at the stadium, would there be 30, 20, I don't know, who are misbehaving with their... I mean, only four were ejected. One was arrested on the weekend. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the police are there watching every moment too. I mean, they're not watching the game, the police. They're there watching everything. Uh, these guys got previous, this, this active group. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so four were ejected. One was arrested. The police are watching them all the time. Um, they already have had an edict with the FFA saying no one is to wear a balaclava to these yep, games. Yep. So... You know, I Why think not? everything's on the table. Oh, everything's on the table. It's, it's not an unreasonable yeah. thing to suggest, John. Steve's on the road. Final call before we get to a break. Uh, far away, mate. G'day, guys. How are we? Good, good, Look, mate. Um, I'm, I'm a man of simple thoughts. Uh, I like the guest principle, like keeping it simple. Uh, I think if the UK were able to ban uh, supporters from, um, from uh, recalcitrant tr- uh, clubs because of violence... I find it amazing that uh, they're just quite happy to talk about everyone else taking responsibility and not the bloody club and its supporters. Yep. With, great, with Western Sydney, they should be turning around and simply saying, righto, boys, that's it. You're not allowed in another game for six months until you sort out your backyard. If you don't get it sorted, then that, that suspension gets pushed out to 12 months. We'll see how long these bloody spanners start behaving like this when their football clubs own start putting pressure on them instead of treating them like heroes. I hear all of these soccer people talk about it's a passionate game and they're passionate supporters. Well, let's just see how passionate they are about their bloody game if they're not allowed to go and see the team. Steve, I'm, I'm fully on board with you, mate. I, I don't know about the six months straight off the bat, but it's certainly an escalating penalty every time. Uh, what about taking points off the club? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do it. Yeah, I, look, do it. I, I feel yeah. for... Look, John uh, said... Uh, uh, the CEO this yep, morning speaking yep. about uh, uh, he came out and said the right stuff. They're good people at West Sydney Wanderers. I know a lot of them there, uh, but and they've been working really hard with their active supporter group. Uh, the biggest thing here is the supporters themselves have got to help the club. The, the good people that are there, they're seeing this, they're witnessing it, they know who it is. What can they do? It's a mob mentality. They're all there. Uh, when they stand up and start taking some responsibility, like they do in, in grounds in England, mm-hmm. and I've seen it. 
uh, once they start taking responsibility and start passing on the information anonymously to, to the authorities, uh, that's when you'll find... And by the way, then you hammer the, the, the culprits with a $10,000 fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys aren't brain surgeons. They're, mm-hmm. they're not going to have, uh, you know, law, they're not going to be lawyers, these guys. Or, I mean, $10,000 is going to hurt them. Uh, but it's like jumping on the on the field and invading a pitch during the cricket. I think isn't a five thousand oh, dollar fight. It's even more than that. Now, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, it yeah. is, you impose those sort of penalties on these people, and it'll soon be stamped out. Johnny, good call. Uh, two bottles of wine, one red, one white, with thanks to AR Property Investment, solving the property investment puzzle for you. Coming your way for that. Appreciate it. 25 minutes to three. Break out of the way. One final word from Michael Lynch. We'll play out of the break on the other side. Then we're going to get to the derby. I'll tell you, we've got to have a message. You can give a message. If there's an <laughs> idiot out there thinking about taking a flare to the derby on the weekend, send him a message on the other side of the break. We're going to talk about that impending match as well. I actually don't mind flares. I think they do create to the atmosphere. Um, you know, uh, that was a view I did take. I wrote a piece once arguing that we should have designated flare zones, that perhaps we could let them off. Got a lot of criticism. That's Lynch, Michael Lynch, age football writer, joining us on the program yesterday, Carlos. Is there any merit in that at all? Uh, I love Lynchy, but uh, if you're expecting these people that we're talking about, to have the responsibility, even in a designated area, to mm. light flares. Are we kidding ourselves? Mm. Get professionals. If you want to have your pyrotechnics, get professionals and run it properly. Mm. Okay? Uh, like, I think they do it at the Big Bash. They don't get the fans to do it. They do it. They yeah, get professionals yep, to yep, do it. Yep. So, I don't... I, I'm completely against flares. And the reason why is I saw a father who was trying to protect his son many years ago at an A-League game uh, get struck by a flare that was thrown and it burnt a hole right through his shirt almost to his skin, and if he hadn't protected his son, he would hit his son in the head. So I saw this, Andy, and that's why I'm completely against it. Uh, there's no no reason, there's no justification for it. Um, and so for me, and by the way, those are people that argue that, oh, it happens overseas, it's quite normal. There are people in stadiums overseas, and I've been in stadiums, who hate the flares. Yeah, yeah. People don't, uh, don't agree with the behaviour of the ultras over there. Uh, some of the ultras run clubs virtually. And no one likes it. So to, to copy what's going on over there, that dysfunctional behaviour over there, and bring it in here, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, no. So, yeah, yeah. So, oh, I was once of the view that, you know, I didn't think flares were the evil that they were necessarily being portrayed to be. But the, it, I, I've changed my mind completely since holding that view, you know, a few years ago now that because of the health, uh, potential health and um, reasons and, and, and impacts. And you know what? If I was a ground manager or a club, a host club, a home club, I would be terrible. I would be terrified, I mean, uh, at potential litigation coming my way because you've had a long time to re- rectify this and create a safe environment to welcome fans into. And if I went to a game of football and myself or one of my children was injured badly, mm. at that, I'd be looking at all legal options uh, available to me and I'd be going the venue providers, managers, and I'd be going the home teams, Oh, I'd be. There'd be no stone left unturned. I know it's too late to do it today, but I would love to know. In fact, I think we should be demanding to know what Victory and City are doing about preparing for this weekend. I want to know what the active support, hmm. who say that they're there for the passion and, and and for the club and for the game. I want to know what they're doing in preparation for this week. Uh, let's not let's not put our head in the sand. There have been flares at the derbies at the yeah, Melbourne of course derbies. There are some terrible. Behavior. So I want to know yep. what all parties are doing 
to make sure that doesn't happen this weekend. Yep, yep. And then what the long-term plan is, that we don't have it every time. If someone's listening to you right now and listening to this radio station and they are a flair taker to a game of football and they're thinking, here's my week. Derby, full house, <laughs> eyes of the world, I'm, I'm going to let one go this week. What would what would you say to that person right now? But has he, has he actually, has he at all, you know, achieved any standard at school because really you'd be the dumbest person in the world yeah. if you decided to do it this weekend. I mean, I was talking about these guys generally not being brain surgeons. But you'd be the dumbest guy in the world. I mean, every everyone will be on high alert, even fans. I mean, there was a there was an issue when I was in the, at White Hart Lane in Tottenham a few years ago and uh, there was a big issue about Sol Campbell. I think, I'm not sure who he was playing at the to- for at the time. He wasn't playing for Tottenham, but he was at the, back at the ground, and there was a homophobic um, campaign yeah, at the time, yeah. and they, they were, there's this two or three guys that were very close to us were just hurling this abuse, this homophobic abuse at Sol Campbell, and there were two or three people who just picked up the phone, texted the number of the security. They came all there. They picked these guys up. And all of them were cheering. All the people around them were just cheering yeah, that these course, guys were taken out. So, yeah. it, it, for me, it, for me it's, uh, it's one of those things that we all need to prepare for now, everyone, mm. and not give – really marginalise these, these, these groups of people. You don't want anything to be a one-off reaction to anything. But I tell you what, if Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City's active supporter groups – have got half a brain between them, and I think they have. Um, they will they will support heart and soul, uh, full tilt on the weekend at their very best behaviour, and they can set an example. The biggest game in Australia right now is probably the Melbourne Derby. You got third playing fifth, City arriving, Melbourne Victory trying to hold its ground. Uh, City and Victory fans this week can they can they can light a torch for the A League and say we can be as passionate as these blokes think they are, but we can do it respectfully and without any issues or creating any havoc. What a golden opportunity for those two supporter bases to make a big statement on behalf of the game this week. And it's gettable because I, um, I mean, the Victory fans were booing on the weekend the West Indy fans were lighting off the flare. Yeah, so they yeah. obviously... There was a flare let off by someone in oh, Victory yeah. Tellers, I think well, so. Maybe one. Yeah, yeah. okay. But, uh, but apparently there was some sort of pact between the two groups. I heard somewhere that they weren't going to be lighting yeah, flares well, and, and this is what's happened. So, uh, I, look, I, uh, I, I have faith in the two supporters groups that they've learnt something from this and uh, they'll really present in a really great way. George Danikian's run through and said that we have to look at the wives, girlfriends and mothers who bring flares into the game for the lads to use. Surely, surely. Well, if that's part of it, I mean, oh, well, surely yeah. we get, we're going to get some intelligence. With all this stuff that's happened over the years, we've got some intelligence about how it's getting in, and we've got to do something yeah, about it. Of course we do. Yeah. Uh, we want to talk about the game, because the football goes on, and there's some big football to be played. Trout, before we do, we've got a couple more calls. Our last call is on the flares for the afternoon. Trout's in... Hello, Trout, how are you, mate? Hello, Andy. Uh, loving the new time slot for you, mate. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Happy, happy Tiger Day. Yes, you got. Yeah, uh, you stitched up Cam, New- Cam Newton. You and the boys yesterday. Ooh. Didn't you, hey. the Tigers? Oh yeah. The, um, just two quick points on the on the flares. Like taking flares and taking points off a club for for having a flare doesn't work because if I wanted that team to lose points, I'd yep. just drop a flare. Yeah, yeah. Right? That, that is, yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. Right? Yep. So, and the other one is. I'm, I'm this flares. I have no idea about them, but how many are sold, and why can't they be then sold through a registered like gun shop and things like that, where they, they all have serial? I know they're going to peel the serial numbers off, but at least it, it, you can catch them. I think that's I, I, that doesn't seem to be too difficult, Trout. 
every flea that gets sold anywhere gets manufactured has a serial number on it and they can be traced. I think that's a very simple thing to do. Uh, Chris, Doreen, quarter to three. Fire away, mate. Oh, g'day, guys. Um, look, you make a lot of good points. One thing I just want to bring up is, look, it all starts from the club. And I saw Tony Popovich on the weekend was actually cheering and sort of um, sort of clapping the um, the West Sydney guys at the end of the game. I just thought that was just that was just not on, guys, at all. Yeah, look, I I feel for the coaches and players straight after a game like that. I mean, the, can you imagine the stress levels, the the disappointment? Mm. Uh, I mean, West Sydney Wanderers were very, very good in that game. Okay, there was elation that Sandalab scored so late, and mm. uh, but they probably felt they should have won. And and you know, it's automatic. They do it overseas too. I don't think, I don't really don't think coaches, having coached at the lowest level in the world for me. Yeah. You're so into what you what you're doing on the ground. You don't often notice what's happening. People say, "Did you hear that guy yelling and scream out, or something, or the fight on the?" Sometimes you get so you're so oblivious to what happens around yeah, you yeah. that I, oh. I give him every opportunity here to 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 think that it, he wasn't applauding. Uh, he probably wasn't aware of how bad things were. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a big ask, isn't it, to ask a coach who's put it all on the line for you know 120 minutes or even longer for two two and a half, yeah. three the pregame, the preparation, the game, halftime, the second half, to then think, okay, straight away I have to go and make a big political statement here. I need to mm-hmm. go and I've got it on top of all the other stuff that's been going through his mind. I think it's a I think it's a fair observation that people have made, like uh, Chris, yep. about Popovich clapping the fans. But I think you've got to cut. The he's coach probably a bit thinking of about what you know what you know what he's got to say at the press conference. All, 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 and he's yep, thinking yep. already about the messages at yep. the press conference for next week. And yep. what he's, it's just. I'd, I would uh, think that he probably wouldn't have known or wouldn't have been aware of the gravity of what was, what was I, I, happening. I agree with that. Yeah. Who goes in in better, Nick? Actually, not in terms of off the park, but on the park. It's a fascinating game. I think it's 3v5, mm. both on 21 points. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to in this game. Who goes in in better, Nick? Jeez. You know, after City, what they delivered on the weekend against uh, Jets. It was uh, one of those performances, wasn't it? It, uh, it was just... It was, unfortunately, it, it looked like, and I, I'm really... Uh, I'm really... You know, I'm reluctant to go down this path without having GPS numbers and, you know, how hard they worked, mm. where they were complacent, uh, you know, where they're following the, the game plan. When City have the ball all the time, 3-5-2 is a beautiful thing. Yeah, Fullbacks are bombing on, yeah. the forward half's getting all the ball, Navillo's, you know, toying with the opposition. When they don't have the ball... Suddenly they're in real trouble. Mm. They're isolated. We talked about this last week. Isolated in midfield. Their fullbacks are pushed back. If they're pushed forward, suddenly it gets them behind. Suddenly they're forward. Their centre halves are stretched across. And they're just holes everywhere. And uh, so it's really, I'm not quite sure. John Van Skip's paid a lot of money to do what he's doing. uh, But. That's what happens. That's what happens when they don't win possession of the ball, and yeah. you can't afford. You can't expect Aaron Moy to be sticking his foot into tackles all the time. So suddenly he's one more that's pushing forward. Got a, a you know a forward meant the sort of an attacking mentality about him. The rest suddenly are outnumbered in in, in the in the middle of the park. So uh, you know it's great that. Keith Linker's back for victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, not back. To, it's not his shoulder injury is not as bad as thought. Yep. Yep. He was. They were in so much trouble when he left. He had to go off the field on the weekend. He, he was the outlet, uh, you know, that was keeping him in the game in that second half. When he went off, they didn't have the outlet. So it's really important that he plays. 
Carlos, I don't know where this hour's gone, but it's all but gone. China, this is extraordinary what is going on in this part of the world. Yeah, a lot of people are really worried about the China Super League. They, they spent more money than the English Premier League this transfer window, and there's still three weeks to go for it to finish. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So they've spent over $200 million, I think. Uh, they've got a pot of eight billion dollars, eight billion, I'm not sure whether it's pounds or dollars or whatever, to grow their game. The uh, the Chinese government has said that we want to become the best in the world. We want really? To so that's yet. a stated objective. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And suddenly uh, big companies in China are backing it all. They've got uh, huge reserves of US dollars that they're not spending over there. They're trying to give away for nothing, basically. So they're all cashed up and they're paying some big, big money. It's fascinating to see what's happened because probably for... Uh, a decade, a decade and a half until about five or ten years ago, golf was booming in China, and they were claiming land all over the place from peasants to build golf courses, mega get, mega complexes, five mission hills, like these best designers in the world coming in from all over, spending billions of dollars to put golf in China on the map. And then there was a change in government over there, and it was a more of a hardline communist type came in and said, this is a disgrace what we're doing here. Give the land back to the people. So golf just hit this brick wall. And I imagine if, the, if there is this sense of we want to be a powerhouse at a sport, football makes total sense. <laughs> People's game can yep. be played anywhere by anyone. You only need a ball. That's all you need. It makes total sense that that would be the game that yeah, China would Yeah, but they don't have to. the IP over there. That's a problem. They don't have the coaches. They don't have the infrastructure so much. Uh, uh, they've just got a load of money. So they're importing a, a lot of the big names. Uh, I mean, the, the, apparently the Chelsea had to knock back uh, £75 million pound plus offer to Oscar. Uh, to get over there. Uh, Look at what happened to Teixeira, the kid at yeah, Liverpool from, from Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah, uh, 75 million. Unbelievable. Uh, the Oscar money. deal was going to be even greater. They're talking about Yaya Toure. They're looking ahead. Pep Guardiola coming in. Yaya Toure going. They think they're talking about paying him 350,000 Australian a week, which is a 30 million. Uh, you know, euro type uh, wage per year. They've got all the money in the world. Uh, and the good thing about Aussies is that. Almost by default, they're getting caught, they're getting uh, offers because to them. They're, they're allowed to have five foreigners over there, yeah. but it has to. But they're allowed to have one uh, one foreigner that's basically under. has got a passport that's in the Asian Confederation, which Australia is part of now. That's why Sainsbury's over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did Port- Partalu go to China? No, uh, Korea. Uh, Korea, I think. Yeah, Korea. Korea. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, 3.5 million a year for a player who got 28 games in Holland. At the top level, okay, he had a really good Asian Cup, but he's certainly what I what I wouldn't call part of the golden generation yet. Three point five million a year set for life. Fantastic. Uh, Timmy Carl's doing really. Well. It was really interesting hearing Timmy Carl on the week on Fox talking about the whole China, you know, the boom in China. Uh, he said that he was very critical of the likes of James Troisi, Tommy Orr. Uh, if Tommy goes over there, but James is over there at the moment. He said these guys don't know what they're doing. They haven't thought very much about. Uh, you know, uh, they're taking the money, basically, yeah. and they're not worrying about their career so much. So it's a big decision for Australians. We're in great demand, not because we're wanted as for, for talent, reason, but yeah. for the other yeah. reason. So yeah. It's a big watch this space. Uh, yeah. f- always good. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, mate. Appreciate good, it. Let's, good luck this weekend, and hopefully there's no flares <laughs> to talk about next time.